This is KMTT, this is Ezra Bick. This is the weekly on the Pashat Shavua Shir. This week's Pasha is Pashat Va'era. Va'era opens up with a uh, stunning announcement by God to Moshe Rabbeinu. Va'idaber Elohim El Moshe Va'yomer Elav Ani Adonai. God introduces himself, so to speak, to Moshe by saying, I am, and he uses the name Havaya the Tetragrammaton, Ani Yutke Vavke. And then he continues, Va'eira el Avraham el Yitzchak ve'el Yaakov ve'el Shaddai u'shmi Adonai lo nada'ati lahem. If we ignore the last few words of this Pasuk, um, it seems to be a comforting, reassuring statement by God. We have to recap. Last week, in the end of last week's parasha, we're in the middle of a conversation here. The last thing that Moshe Rabbeinu said to God was that he's very upset. Moshe Rabbeinu had gone to Paro, and he had gone to Bnei Israel, and it wasn't going well, it became worse for the Jews. Paro instituted more severe and stricter measures against the Jews, and the Jews were upset at Moshe Rabbeinu, and God goes back to Moshe Rabbeinu and says, Lama Lama Why are you? He's, he's, he's speaking to God. Why are you making it worse for the Jewish people? And why did you bother sending me? Because everything I've done has gone up in smoke, it's just getting worse and worse, and you haven't saved anybody. And then God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, the last Pasuk of last week's parasha, don't worry. He says to him, you just wait and see. You will see that I will, the power will send them out. And then this week's parasha begins with a new statement. I'm going to skip the next few words. So what does God say? He says, Moshe Rabbeinu, I am Hashem. I am God of gods. I'm creator of the world. And I appeared, I revealed myself to your forefathers, Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, and I established with them a covenant to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they were living, and I have heard the cry, the outcry of the Jews who were being oppressed by the Egyptians, and I remember that covenant, and therefore I say, therefore you should go say to Bnei Israel, Ani Hashem, use the name I gave you, tell it to them, and I will take you out from Mitzrayim, and I will save you, I will take you out of Mitzrayim, I will save you, I will redeem you, I will take you on to me as a nation, and I will bring you to Eretz Yisrael. So Moshe Ben would complain, and God said to him, don't worry, you will see. And then he gives him a more explicit message. Remind yourself, and then tell it to the Jews, that I am not just anybody speaking to you, or some minor God, or deity, or power. I am Yud Vavke. Everything is in my hand. And I have a covenant with your forefathers. And that covenant says, I will give them the land of Israel. And what's more, second reason, the Jews are suffering and I hear the suffering. And I remember the covenant. And therefore, I will take them out. In other words, therefore, be reassured that I will take them out. I have the power, 
Ani Hashem. Tell them Ani Hashem. And I have the reason and the obligation. It's a covenant. It's a promise. It's a, it's a deal. It's a contract. It's an obligation. That I promised your forefathers to take them out. And if I will, if I will accomplish it, then I will fulfill my promise and my obligation. The strange is the expression. I appear to your forefathers in the name Kel Shakai, but my name Havaya the ineffable name of God, I did not reveal to them. What is that talking about? That's the name that he just introduced himself to Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu, I am Yudke Vavke. But I never told to uh, or I didn't. I didn't reveal myself under that name to your to your forefathers. What is this about? How does this in any way reassure Moshe Rabbeinu, or, or, or how does this answer Moshe Rabbeinu's cry, outcry, and and request? Therefore, Chazal and Rashi quotes it here. Understood at least this line as a rebuke. Moshe Rabbeinu had come after I don't know a couple of weeks on the job. It's not going well. Not just that Paro's not giving in, but the Jews are losing are losing faith. The Shotrim, the uh, the officers, the overseers of the Jews who are being between the anvil and the hammer, are receiving of Paro's retributive actions. They come and they complain to Moshe Rabbeinu, why are you making it worse for us? As sometimes happens when someone tries to save people who in the end, don't want to be saved. And Moshe Rabbeinu is very, very depressed. And he blames God. Lama haray Why did? Why have you made it worse for these people? And so Chazal say that when, Moshe, that when God speaks to Moshe, that this is a rebuke. In the words of Rashi, it says, Rashi has a rule. So whatever it says, as opposed to Vayomer, it's harsh talk. In this case, he spoke to him as as a as a justice in 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 rebuke, and what is the rebuke? I revealed myself to Avraham and Yitzchak. B'shem Kel Shakai. I made them promises, but not with the name Yudke Vavke. What does that signify? The theory of names. It's a very mystical pasuk. There's some sort of theory of names being bandied about here. Rashi explains. That Vishmi Hashem lo nikarti lahem b'midat amitut sheli. I didn't appear to the forefathers. I didn't reveal myself to the patriarchs in my attribute of truthfulness, which is what the shame Yud Kevavke means. Neeman laamet dvarai. Whenever it says, it appears in a number of places in the Torah, in Parshat Kedoshim, for instance, every time it says Ani Hashem there, Rashi says. He who will can be trusted, can be relied on, absolutely to follow through, punish those who need punishing, reward those who need rewards, means reliable. But I didn't appear that way to the forefathers. Why not? Because I promised them and didn't and didn't fulfill. Notice the language of the next pasuk. I established a brit, a covenant, with them to give lahem et eretz Canaan, to give them the land of Canaan. Now we all know that it means to give them and their children eventually. But but the actual language appears this way in Bereshit as well a number of times. 
God said to Vamavinu, Natati, I have given today to your children the land of Israel. So Rashi says, and it's an amazingly bold statement, I appear to the patriarchs in the name of Kel Shakai, who makes promises but not in the shame Yudke Vavke, who fulfills the promises because I did not appear in my truthfulness. I did not, the meter the, the of truth, the attribute of truth was not revealed, was not evident in the world because I promised and I did not fulfill. 400 years ago, I promised Abba Mavino, and then Yitzchak, and then Yaakov, and the promise has not been fulfilled. And that's the rebuke. He's saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, I'm giving you my name, Ani Hashem. So in, 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 in terms of what Rashi is saying, they didn't hear my name because the truthfulness of my promise was hidden in their time. But I'm saying to you, Ani Hashem, what does that mean? Now, it says already, but apparently means in, in, in seconds, very, very soon, the fulfillment of the promise will, will take place. So Rashi is explaining that at least this line, this line is not reassuring Moshe, this line is rebuking Moshe. What are you so impatient for? Look at, look at your forefathers. They've been waiting 400 years for me to fulfill what I promised them. They didn't complain. Lo hir haru I gave them a promise and I was okay. Both to Abram, to Yitzhak, and to Yaakov. Nadarti lehem, according to Rashi, Nadarti lehem, I promised them, Velo kiyamti. Apparently that means, so what are you complaining about? You, you've only been a few weeks on the job. And it's understood as a rebuke to Moshe Rabbeinu. Now I find this a little bit strange because the overall speech is clearly not a rebuke to Moshe Rabbeinu. It's supporting Moshe Rabbeinu. It's reassuring Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is, is impatient. He's depressed. He was sent to save the Jews. Beautiful, grand mission. God said to him, I'm here. You're here. I'm sending you to save the Jews. And it got worse. I understand why he could be a little bit depressed, but I'm not going to argue whether he should be rebuked or not. But, but basically, God in the next few psukim is not rebuking him at all. He's reassuring him. He's saying to them, "I'll do it. I'm going to take them out. I'm going to save them. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to bring them. I'm going to take them." The four or five, the shanot geula. What's more, even in the context of the avot, the second pasuk after. I established a covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. So it's true, Rashi says, I established a covenant, but they didn't, they didn't you know, go through with it in the meantime. But you can definitely understand it in the opposite sense. There's a covenant, and therefore I'm, it's an obligation. I'm not doing this out of my goodness of my heart, says God. It's not that I, I feel like doing it. It's not that I feel sorry for the Jews. This is, this is a deal. This is my obligation. Even the next Pasuk, which says, Vagam. By the way, both can begin Vagam. I appear to the forefathers as Kel Shekai and didn't show them my name. Vagam. And also, there's a, there's a list of reasons here. And also, I establish a covenant. And also, I heard the cry of the Jews who were being uh, uh, oppressed by the Egyptians. So it sounds like two different reasons. You know, I, I'm going to do this. For two reasons. One is because it's part of the divine plan since the days of the forefathers. And two, the Jews right now, and maybe that's what has to be done now, 
are being oppressed to death, oppressed so hard they cannot stand. And that's another reason why I'm going to do it. But the truth is, even that's not only God saying, uh, I have a plan to do this. I heard the cry of the Jewish people who the Egyptians are oppressing, Va'eskor et Beriti. Those it sounds like he's saying, okay, the Jews are crying out to me, and not that I feel sorry for them. That has reminded me, that has brought up to the fore, from the depths of memory, has brought to the, to the surface of God's, so to speak, mind, the covenant. Which covenant? The one that he established with his forefathers uh, years and years and years ago. Lachain, therefore, go tell that to the Jews. Maybe that will reassure them. And, and tell them that it's not just leaving Egypt. We're going to be saved. We're going to be redeemed. We're going to go to the land of the forefathers. I raised my arm. I swore an oath to give to Avam Yaakov. So what is this one line about that I promised the forefathers but did not fulfill? Why? why? How does that fit in the speech? So I think what we have here is a very, very interesting point. Uh, not merely intellectual. In other words, part of what God says to Moshe is, is, a, uh, is an intellectual comment. He explains to him the plan. You know, it hasn't gone well just, the, just yet. But don't worry. I'm laying out what's going to take place. And... Uh, you can be sure it's going to take. It's it's going to happen. A little bit later, uh, uh, quite a few psukim later in the in the parsha, but it's a, a little bit later in terms of the conversation. God even explains to him the delay. He says, "Vani et leif paro." There'll be more delays. I'm going to make sure paro doesn't send you out very 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 quickly. And the reason is, so that I can have more signs and wonders. And powerful actions, and therefore we are doing mitzvahim Hashem. So God, God has a plan. I'm not going to go into it. God has a plan, which requires a, a slow process of redemption, so that there should be a conflict, and therefore there will be a reason for having the signs and wonders of, of Egypt, so that God's name should be glorified before the Egyptians and before the Jews. That's an intellectual answer to Moshe Rabbeinu's impatience, so to speak. But I think there's something else going on here. God is explaining to Moshe Rabbeinu. It, it is a kind of rebuke. But it's all part of the same reinforcement of Moshe Rabbeinu's own faith. Moshe Rabbeinu hasn't sinned here. We're talking about Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is a leader. A leader who has that short of fuse, that the first sign of trouble, he wants to quit. I'm not sure that's a good leader. That, that's not Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is expressing not a intellectual questioning. How does the plan work? So much as, maybe that's also included, as... Simply frustration. Moshe Rabbeinu is burning. Despite the hesitation he expressed in Parashat Shemot, which we discussed last week, Moshe Rabbeinu is burning with his mission. Very soon he's going to stand up before Paro and, and, and face Paro down eye to eye. And Moshe Rabbeinu simply, he's having difficulty. I would say not, it's not a sinful difficulty. It's a holy difficulty. Why is it taking so long? Why isn't it moving forward? You've promised. You've given me this mission. It's your mission. 
It's your promise to the forefathers. It should be over already. It should just it should just be done. Why aren't the wheels turning? It's an emotional cry for Moshe Rabbeinu. He doesn't say I'm quitting. He just says, what, what's going on here? Why? He can't he, he's burning up with the paralysis of God's land. And God's answer is a very, very deep and, and, and complicated answer for us to accept as well. God is saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, the impatience you're feeling is part and parcel of the nature of the world and its relationship to God's plan. Because on the one hand, as Rashi explains, Ani Hashem, the name Yudke Vafke means Ha'amitut, Midat Ha'amitut Shari. And what is that? Because the name Havaya basically means reality. If God says, let there be light, there is light. If God says, this land belongs to you, then the land belongs to you. In, in, in God as ultimate reality, there is no distance, no gap, no possible gap between His will and its immediate existence. Existence is God's will. That's what the name Havaya means. Not he who has pakel shakai, the name that God did use with the forefathers, means the powerful. Kel means power. Shakai means includes the power of restraint. He who has power can do things, but Havaya is way beyond. You don't need power if you have Havaya. You are existence. Your will is existence. Hahu amar velo diber velo is even possible. To imagine that God says this will be and it doesn't happen. That's Midat Havaya. And God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, your holy forefathers, who are the ultimate Jews, the, the models of Jews, look what their experience consists of. This could be a bit chilling, I think, for us who are children of those forefathers. I established a covenant with them. And that covenant very explicitly says, not I will give in the future, some distant future, the land of Israel, to you or to your children. I'm giving it to you now. It's yours. That's the words of God. And yet, in the real world, not the world of faith, not the world that is God Himself, but the world that is staying in front of God, and to which his desires and commands come as plans to be executed, there's this tremendous gap. There's this terrible delay. And the truth of God is not present. God's inherent truthfulness. It's the ultimate attribute of God. The Chazal call it the seal of God. His, his, the, the, the seal on his ring is midat ha-emet. It's the ultimate attribute of, of God's existence. God's existence is truth and everything else doesn't even exist at the same level. But in our world, as we see it, it's still true, but it's not evident. We live in a tension between God as Ein Od Milvado, and the world which, in and of itself, God's not there at all. 
generally speaking, we don't see them. We see natural law, we see rain, we see science, we see evil people, we see good people. But the God who said, let there be light, the God who said, the God who said, He's not revealed. He's hidden. We know. We know that He is the God of gods and the King of kings. But His presence is hidden in this world. And Kashpochu was saying to Moshe Rabbeinu, 400 years this has been going on. To some extent, that's the experience of the Avot. It's the experience of being a Jew. Is living in this terrible tension between the absolute truth of God's will and God's trust and God's covenant with the Jews and the clear absence of many, many, many occasions and times and years of the fulfillment of that ultimate reality. And it's not that God is not trustworthy. Because what makes the tensions intolerable is that there's no possibility, it can't be, it can't be that His will won't be fulfilled. Because it's midat amitotchali, truth is the attribute of God. And yet, nonetheless, it hasn't become evident. So the explanation there is an explanation. It will be given in the next few psukim. God has a plan. There's a reason why He doesn't want it to be yesterday, and not even today, but only tomorrow. But the important thing here is not to understand, oh, there's a plan. What's the reason why God delays the fulfillment of His promises? The important point here is to realize that you live in the space between the promise and the fulfillment. And that creates not or it should create, here comes the rebuke, not frustration, but determination. Since you know, since you know that it must be true, and you also know that it's not true, therefore, you have to commit yourself, you have to be instrumental to make it true. If you live in the gap between God's promise and God's fulfillment, you are the bridge to close that gap. And therefore, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, Lachen, just turn back a few pages, God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, after he explains this whole thing to him, Lachen emor, l'vnei Yisrael, go back. You said, the Jews aren't listening to me, powers aren't listening to me. I'm explaining to you once more. I have made a covenant with your fathers. It can't go away. If you imagine that, okay, the covenant isn't, uh, it's not its time. It's time. I've heard the cry of the Jews and I remember. It's, I remember meaning that it's not something I forgot that it's not on the shelf. It's, it's the truth right now. Of? Of whom? I'm telling you my real name. Ani Hashem. I'm showing you that it's not just a promise, it's the truth. It's reality. Lachen, Lachen, the next passage, Lachen emol ibnei Israel. you go and tell them, Ani Hashem, 
Tell them Zman Gu'ulatchem Higia. Tell them the time has come. But you have to go tell them that. Tell them that I will save them. And I'm going to send you. And if it doesn't work the first time, then you have to, you have to work even harder. In other words, it, it's, it's paradoxical. Because on the one hand, God is explaining to Moshe Rabbeinu that it's not that God didn't know any Hashem. That would be ridiculous. Obviously, Abba Rabbeinu knew God. And frankly, if you look at the Pesukim, the name Hashem does appear in Breshit. When I made a promise to them, I said, Ani Kel Shakai. In other words, the Avot, from the very beginning of Jewish existence, Jews are people who have a deed of God's promises in their hands, but they're living without the full fulfillment, or they're living without the continual fulfillment of that deed. They're living in that gap. And Moshe Rabbeinu expresses extreme frustration, which is, it's not just natural, it's an expression of his, of one, his, his, the, his, his commitment to the Jews, two, his, his, his knowledge, his belief that God has the power. And therefore he uses a phrase which is a little bit striking, very striking, in, in Pashat Shemot, Lama Hagayota, why have you made it bad? Not that power made it bad. You have all the power, God. And so he's expressing his frustration and his, his, his soul is bubbling over. And that's because Moshe Rabbeinu is not despondent and he believes, he knows God can do it, he knows God has promised to do it. And so he can't help but, but say, let's get it moving. And God says to him, you're right, but you have to express it in a different way. You don't express your fulfillment you go back and you talk. You should know that it is absolutely true that the Jews are redeemed. The Jews own Eretz Yisrael. The Jews are you are my people. Those are facts. Even if they haven't been the facts because they can't be any other way. Even if they haven't been fulfilled yet. But they're not contingent facts. They're absolutely because God's word is truth. And if you find it hard to, you will find it hard to know that and yet see the situation, then you'll find it hard, you will now, from now on, find it hard to live with that gap and therefore you're going to be the one to close it. To be a Jew is to be painfully aware of the difference between the ideal and the present, but the ideal is truth. The ideal has to be true. And it isn't true, and that's what it means to be a Jew. And it's not a different theory that Moshe Rabbeinu held beforehand. It's a different reaction. Not, not expressing wonderment or frustration or anger at the gap, but a commitment, Ani Hashem, a commitment to Ani Hashem to reveal God's true name in the world and correct and amend the gap was existing throughout the lives of the Avant. But there is more than, more than an implied hint here. It's an explicit hint that that's Jewish existence. Jews don't have the luxury of settling for second best because they've been granted the covenant. They've seen Ani Hashem. 
they've heard the promises of God, so they can't settle for, okay, things are okay. They have the right to demand, as Moshe Rabbeinu demanded, but also they have the obligation to fulfill the absolute maximum of God's presence in the world. They also can't fool themselves and say the situation is not as bad as it, as it really is. Moshe Rabbeinu says the situation is bad. And therefore we're stuck on, not in the middle, but on the two sides of that equation. The Jews are a redeemed, chosen people, and that hasn't been fulfilled yet. Not enough. And the rest of the parasha, and next week's parasha, and perhaps the rest of the Torah, is the step-by-step-by-step, true, slow, not immediate. God's truth is not fully revealed until it's time to be revealed. And therefore, our existence as Jews is all the time to, 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 to climb and to pull forward to bring Shem Hashem, Havaya, into, into, into the world. That's what, so, Rashi calls, Rashi doesn't say rebuke, I use the word rebuke. Rashi says, Diberi lav mishpat. He, he, yeah, okay, God is rebuking Moshe, but he's not rebuking, saying, you said you shouldn't talk that way. He's saying to him, be resolute. The, your, your understanding, your frustration, is not, is not a one-time aberration. You don't say, how could this possibly be? Your frustration is what it means to be Jewish. Think of your Avot. They lived their whole lives with a charter in their hands that was uncollectible. They had a deed which they couldn't collect on. And they were the Avot. That's what made them Jewish. You're going to do the same thing, but in fact, you're going to do better. Because to you I'm saying, and you can Hashem. So at least one aspect, most of what I have promised, is going to be fulfilled before you. And therefore you have an even greater obligation to start running faster because the time is running out and you have to move, you have to move the plan, you have to move the plan forward. I think that's the beginning of the era. And what takes place afterwards is exactly that. Moshe Rabbeinu now begins Esem Akot, ten speeches before Parau, many speeches to the Jews. It's a complicated business. You'll never see Moshe Rabbeinu waver in the rest of Sefer Shemot. Sefer Bamidbar, there might be other problems. But in Sefer Shemot, Moshe Rabbeinu says, it might be going, it might be up, it might be down, the hills and the valleys, the road is complicated, but the complications are the reason to forge ahead. Because I'm carrying within me the promise, Ani Hashem. I know that we are living in Eretz Yisrael. I know that we are God's people. Doesn't seem to be true. We have to make it true. And, and, and that's the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu of Pashat Shmot, who was given a job, went to do it, and then, and then, and then fell apart when it didn't succeed. And Moshe Rabbeinu, the next ten makot, every makot doesn't succeed. Okay, so Moshe Rabbeinu, God told him, don't worry about it, it's going to be okay. But still, the, the, you don't see the frustration anymore. On the contrary, 
if you read carefully Pashat Ve'eva and Pashat Bo, you will see that Moshe's Rabbeinu's determination, in fact, gets greater, bolder, harder, and more fiery as it goes on. If in the beginning he speaks nicely, calmly, perhaps even politely to Paro, as it goes on and on, he becomes more determined, more pressing, more bold, more defiant, and eventually even more superior, more conquering uh, before Paro, over Paro, until the final speech in Parshat Bo, when he tells Paro, you will come to me, down to me, and beg me to take the Jews, take the Jews out of Egypt. All that begins in the short conversation, Ushmi Hashem lo nodati lahem. Being Jewish is knowing there is a Shem Hashem, and knowing that it hasn't been revealed in the world as fully as it should be. And eventually this will be expressed as a very famous Chazal in the end of Pashat B'Shalach, after Amalek attacks the Jews, and God says, Ki yad al it's half the Yudke Vavke. It's a different form of non-revelation, partial revelation. But the name of God is not complete, and the throne of God is not complete until very long journey, until all evil has been destroyed from the world, until Amalek has been destroyed from the world. More than 400 years, thousands of years. So God's name exists, his name is Yudke Vavke, but in this world it's only Yud K. Yad eh, Yadka Keska. It's only half a name because Jewish destiny is to carry God's name but only see or only fulfill part of it. Unfulfilled, unrevealed, the rest of the name. We begin now to move forward, but it'll be it's a very long journey which will be only by Yomahu. Shabbat Shalom v'chol tov.